0: Be thankful for the cross, and even more important, the Savior of the cross. Amen. And thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it so very much. Would you open your precious Bible this morning to the Book of 1 Samuel, chapter twenty-three? And we're moving right along here. We started a series on the life of David uh, several weeks back. I think this is the seventh message, and uh, there possibly could be—I don't know—maybe a hundred when we're finished. Uh, David. Uh, uh, quite, a, quite a man, quite a story A lot of application to David's life And I hope if you're just now picking up And this is the first message you've heard uh, It will be helpful if you go back and listen to the others uh, We're in chapter 23 I'm going to skip the first part because I'm going to preach on that tonight But I want you to remember he's on his way up He's on his way up We found a uh, David, of course And I want you to think about David's life David was a shepherd boy. He was watching his father's sheep. And to his surprise, one day the prophet showed up and anointed him king. His life changed at that moment. From that moment on, you know, we've, we've started there. So from that moment on, he was asked to come into the court uh, room and the, the, the palace to help King Saul. When the uh, evil spirit came, he played the harp. And then uh, we know that he just went one day to help his brethren. He's seen that Goliath was defying the armies of Israel. And so he defeated Goliath. And then Saul put him over the uh, uh, people, his army. And then we know that he started to have, be jealous over him. And he started to run him down. He, he became good friends with Jonathan, uh, Saul's son. A lot has went on in David's life. And then we left him in chapter 21 and chapter 22. He was running for his life. He lied to the man of God. Uh, he took the show bread. Uh, he took the sword of Goliath. And then of all places he went and hid and went to the actual hometown of Goliath, the sworn enemies of God. And this is the same man that God anointed king and said he's a man after my own heart. So we seen that in chapter 22 uh, he was ran out from where uh, he was trying to hide in the Philistines' land and we realized that uh, David hit rock bottom. And uh, he realized something had to change. And so I believe in Psalm 34, we found out that he got alone with God. There started to become some personal hard work took place in his life. By the way, everything that is shown outward doesn't really mean anything. Now, I want to say, I do believe your outside will show what's going on on the inside. But I want you to know something. God is still interested in the heart. Psalm 34 told us something about David. David had a time of repentance. David had a time that he realized that he was wrong when he went and lied to the man of God. When he went and took the showbread. When he took... Goliath's when he ran off to the Philistine land, and the very ending of that story, the Bible said that he became like a wild man. He became like an, a, 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 a mad person. He started to spit on his beard. He was scratching at the door. Now, this is the man just a few months before God was anointing him king. And I've given all the inter- I've given all the thoughts on that. We've preached through every chapter, but from chapter. 22 to chapter 23, something took place. And we find that in Psalm 34, he said, hey, if y'all want to learn the fear of the Lord, let me teach you. And by the way, David wasn't being arrogant. He was saying, I can teach you boys the fear of the Lord because I just got through a period of my life where I've only been afraid of men and it's made me, my feelings and flesh has caused me to do things that have been awful. So we find in chapter 22, he's starting to come up from the bottom. He's coming up. And I preached a whole message on that last Sunday. So now we see that he's got this band of men that has come. His parents came to encourage him. We see that David is starting to get his spiritual life back, his relationship with the Lord is becoming what it needs to be and should be. So in chapter 23, we realize that we'll read this tonight. But in chapter 23, we know that um, he desires to go and to save the men of uh, the, the people at Keilah, and God tells him to go. And I'm going to speak on all that. But towards the end of that now, keep in mind, King Saul's still chasing him. He's still been struggling, he's still in dark days because his whole life has turned upside down. The most powerful man. And the country is trying to hunt him like a dog. So you can imagine he's still dealing with him. So in chapter 23, after he defends the men and the people and the women and the children of Keilah, we find that Saul finds another opportunity to come, and he's coming to kill him. God even asks of God. He said, is, is Saul going to come and kill me? Is he going to try to kill me at Keilah? And the Lord said to him, yes. So we see now, here David is running again. And I want you to pick up with me in verse 13. He's just found out that Saul knows where he's at and he's going to come to kill him. Look at verse 13. Then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah and he forbear to go forth. And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph, and Saul sought him every day. Notice this. Miss Sarah, Brother Scotty, you guys know these two words? But God delivered him not into his hand, and David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood. I love this phrase. And strengthened his hand in God. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee. And thou shalt be king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul, my father, knoweth. And they too made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood. And Jonathan went to his house. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll help us now. Speak to our hearts. We all need your work in our hearts. We all need your work in our hearts. I pray you'll help us to be moldable clay. God, I pray you'll help us to be good ground. Lord, we know that your word is perfect. The problem is not with the seed. The problem will be with the soil. And I pray that you'll plow the soil of our hearts deep this morning that we might hear from thee. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I'm glad I have perfect seed here this morning. So if you or I do not get help this morning, it's not going to be God's fault. The seed's perfect. By the way, there's nothing, there's no error in this book. And so I pray, man, as I've been looking through the life, he's still running as a fugitive. We find him here. He, he's been anointed, but he's not hes not the acting king yet. And Earlier in this chapter, David and his men went to go defeat the Philistines at Keilah. And King Saul found out where he was, and so he's heading that way. And, David asked the Lord, is he going to come and kill me? And the Lord said, yes. And so he had to leave. So we find him here departed. Now, by the way, he's hunted like an animal and he's hiding like an animal. And I don't know if you know anything about the wood or a wilderness. It's a very dark place. And by the way, this was a place where men could go in and hide. And it took great skill to find them. So this was not a place that you're willing to go and spend every day because you choose to do it. He's going here to hide out like a fugitive. His life has changed. There's nothing that he has chosen that he's wanted to live this kind of life. But circumstances has caused him. So I want you to know, just being human, David is human. I think sometimes we read the Bible like God's people that he allows to be a part of his work. And his word are like they're some superhuman people. No, they're just like us. So I can guarantee you, David was discouraged. David was down. David was even probably depressed. He was struggling because his life was changed ever since he killed Goliath. By the way, his life changed ever since he did the will of God. So he's discouraged. He's struggling. No doubt he's feeling fear again. He's frustrated. He doesn't understand. Why is this taking place? Aren't you thankful for good friends? And praise God, I'm glad at the right moment, his best friend showed up and did not tell him what he wanted to hear. He told him what he needed to hear. David was struggling. And by the way, the Bible says this. He came, I love this. You have a real friend when that friend is trying to strengthen your hand in God. I want you to mark the phrase in verse 14. He came and Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into the sand. No, verse 16. And notice when Jonathan came, notice what he said. He came and strengthened his hand in God. Isn't that a blessing? How many of you have ever been discouraged? You've ever been struggling? You're confused. You're hurting. But you've had a real friend that's came and strengthened your hand in God. Isn't that a blessing? I hope and pray all of us are that way. Now, we fail, but I thank God we do have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But I want to just look at it. Here's what I feel that I want to entitle this message this morning. Don't forget. Don't forget. Wait a minute now, David. Wait a minute now. Uh, you've got to remember some things. Remember, God was the one that came and anointed you. God was the one that said, I want a man after my own heart. It was Samuel that passed all of your brother's And he was you. It was you that he anointed. And it's amazing to me that God allowed Jonathan, which was the acting king's son, to come and remind him of some things that obviously he could have forgotten. I've learned something here. When we're discouraged, when we're down, when there are circumstances going on in our life, you know what we do? We get discouraged. We, we, we start getting confused. Uh, we start getting down. Uh, we get downtrodden. Uh, we, we might struggle with our doubts. We might feel feelings of, of feelings that maybe we've never felt before. And I know doubt David was dealing with these feelings, but at the very moment that he needed a good friend, this man showed up, And here's what he did. He basically just told, he reminded David of some things that he already knew, but he just needed to be reminded. And you know what? I'm not going to share anything with you this morning that you don't already know, but I think if it was helpful to strengthen David's hand in God, I believe it will be helpful for us this morning, for our hands to be strengthened in God, and because it's very simple in the days we live in, it's easy to forget things, isn't it? So I'm here this morning to be a reminder to you. Number one, I want you to notice, what did he remind him of when he showed up in this wilderness? Here he is, discouraged, he's struggling, he's hurting, uh, he's confused, no doubt he's depressed. And Jonathan shows up, and I want you to notice in verse 14. And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph, And Saul sought him every day. But God delivered him not into his hand. Here's what I want to remind you of. This is what David needed to be reminded of in our days in the cave when we're struggling, when we're hurting, when life's not making sense. Can I just say, don't forget God's power. Don't forget God's power. Notice in verse 14, it's very clear. He said, but God delivered him not into his hand. That's the power of God. I'm so very thankful. The power of God is evident today. The power of God. The young man said, I'm seeing some things happen. I see God working in people's hearts. That's the power of God. God does things, number one, that seem unbelievable. Now, this is unbelievable to me. i got to hurry. This is unbelievable to me in the fact... Saul has all the resources, he's got all the wisdom, he's got all the resources at his disposal, yet he can't catch David. That seems unbelievable to me if someone said, hey, the most powerful man in your country right now cannot find you. That's amazing. So sometimes we look at God's power and sometimes it seems unbelievable. Can I encourage you this morning? It is believable. God's power is unbelievable, but we as Christians, we should believe the power of God. Can I say, it looked like it should be easy. It looked like it would be easy that Saul would be able to catch David at any moment. By the way, he had him there in his presence twice, through the javelin, and you, amazing to me, he had bad aim both times. I don't know about y'all, but I was at a place last night, and some guys were shooting bow, and... Uh, my wife, I said, which one was shooting? I said, well, it certainly wasn't me. But Daniel made this comment. Daniel said, yeah, but here's one thing about a target, the difference between a target and a, a hunting in real life. That target don't have horns on it. Somebody say amen. Sometimes a lot of things get involved in it other than just your skill. You get... Breathing heavy and you, you get excited, and adrenaline pops up. But let me just say something. Saul was a skilled fighter. It's unbelievable to me that he missed him twice with the javelin. But God. Right there is as we say, Amen. But God. See, God's power is unbelievable. And here, David, just an old shepherd boy, watching his sheep, all of a sudden, a man shows up and anoints him king. And he realizes God gave him power to kill a giant. God gave him power. But now he's hiding in a wilderness. Things has changed and I thank God there was a friend that showed up and said, let me remind you of God's power. It will not fail you. Can I give application for you this morning? God's power is still the same for us. God's power is something we should not remember or should not forget. It's something we should be reminded of. It's something that we should believe, the power of God. It seemed unbelievable. Now think about it. Also, wasn't it Saul that told David, I want you, you can have my daughter to marry, but you've got to go out and kill a hundred Philistines and bring their foreskins back. By the way, we talked about in early America, we talked about scalps. But listen to me, they were they were claiming scalps in Bible days. What do you think foreskins were? Saul told David to go out and he said, if you want to marry my daughter, how many of you men would like to have to marry your wife and go out and kill a hundred enemies? But you know why Saul did that? Saul did that in hopes that David would die. But listen to me, but God. See, sometimes God's power seems unbelievable. But can I say to you this morning, believe it? Can I say God's power sometimes seems unbelievable? But I'll tell you what it's not it's unmistakable. You say, oh, David got out of that because of his skill, he was cunning. David got out of that because man he was two steps ahead of Saul no the Bible tells us why David got out of all of his problems the Bible tells us very clearly why he was spared it says but God delivered him not into his hand can I say to you this morning I don't know what you think about this world I don't know how by the way we live in a dark day no doubt we're living in the wilderness no doubt if we look at the world scene we think my goodness what are we going to do let me just encourage all of you God's Power is still the same today. And we as Christians need to hold our heads up, not with arrogance and pride. But listen to me. We are on the winning side. I don't know what all is going to go up in Washington. But I know what's going on up in heaven. And I know that we and the men and the most powerful men on this planet is but of nothing Compared to God's power. And I pray that we as Christians. Will start living in God's power. And quit being defeated. By the world's standards. We walk around. Like we're defeated already. No. We're (coughs) winners. God's power is not. It's not mistakable. It is unmistakable. I want you to know. And there's times in our life. We all get down. And we just need to be reminded. So I want to remind you this morning of God's power. Number two, I've got to hurry. God's presence. Look in verse 16. The Bible said he strengthened his hand in God. He had to remind him, wait a minute, David, you're not alone. You might seem like you're alone. You've got these 600 men around you. But listen, Jonathan came and said, look, I want to strengthen your hand in the Lord. He didn't strengthen his hand in his army. He didn't strengthen his hand in his own skill. He said, you need strength in the Lord. The Lord is the one that's protecting you. The Lord that is the one that had a plan for your life. And David, he's not left you now. And by the way, can I give application this morning? He hadn't left you either. Amen. The Bible says that He's always with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. I want to say to you, we need to be reminded of His presence. Can I ask you this question? Do you ever feel it? Yes. It's amazing when you feel the presence of the Lord. And by the way, it ought to be every day, every moment, not just we're in church. Do you know what's life-changing for me is when I realize? The Lord was with me all the time. That'll help us make decisions, and that will help us in some things in life that will change our life. I used to compartmentalize my life as a teenager. Church was church. Sunday was the Lord's day, but every other day was mine. But you know what changed my life? No, the Lord's with me every day. I should be a Christian every day. I should be communion with Him every day. I ought to be making decisions. Why? Because He's with me every moment. Don't forget His presence. I want to remind you this morning of his presence. Sometimes you just feel like we need to be reminded. I'm reminding you today. You're not alone. He's not left you. He's right there. I don't care if you're in a wilderness. Don't care if you're in a cave. Don't care if you're in the darkest circumstances of your life. Your feelings will betray you. The fact is the Lord will never leave you. Then I want to just quickly close. I want to hang on this a minute. You know what else he reminded him of when he was hunkering down? Look at this one. Boy, this is amazing. And he said to him, verse 17, and he said to him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel. Now, you know who's just telling him that? This is the man that should be taking over the kingship. This is the son of the king. But Saul, Jonathan knows that God has already anointed David, and David knew it too. David was the one that had the oil running down his head, but it's awful funny. Now he's discouraged, and he's forgot God's promise. You know, sometimes we just need to be reminded of his promises. How many of y'all know some promises? Brother Don, what's that song you sing a lot? Every promise in the book is mine. Every promise in the book is yours. Can you say it? Let's say it in 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 a personal way. Every promise in the book is mine. Let's all say it together on three. One, two, three. Every promise in the book is mine. We need. Not forget. By the way, just cause it's dark outside, because things aren't working out like we want them to work out, it's so easy for us to forget the promises of God. David had forgot about the oil running down his face. He had forgot about killing the giant. God, he had forgotten that that was the Lord Himself that said, "I want a man after my own heart." Seeing the darkest of the wilderness. We tend to forget God's promises. But can I say to you, God's promises are always true. Can I just read a few things here quickly? The primary ground of assurance is rooted in the promises of God. But those promises must become increasingly real to the believer through the subjective evidences of grace and the internal witnesses of the Holy Spirit. I want to read some quotes to you. The Bible is full of God's promises to provide for us spiritually and materially, to never forsake us, to give us peace in times of difficult circumstances, to cause all circumstances to work together for our good, and finally to bring us safely home to glory. Not one of those promises is dependent Upon our performance, they are all dependent on the grace of God given to us through Jesus Christ. Satan promises the best, but pays with the worst. He promises honor and pays with disgrace. He promises pleasure and pays with pain. He promises profit. He pays with loss. He promises life and he pays with death. But God pays as He promises All of his payments are made in pure gold. When you look at the cross, what do you see? You see God's awesome faithfulness. Nothing, not even the instinct to spare his own saying. I want everybody here as a parent to think about this. We all have instincts as parents. We're going to protect our children. By the way, some of us break rules because we think we're protecting our children. Listen to me. God had the same instincts as the Father. But yet, listen to me. He loved us so much, He did away with His instinct as a Father to keep His promise. When you look at the cross, what do you see? You see God's awesome faithfulness. Nothing. Listen, parents. Not even the instinct to spare His own Son will turn Him back from keeping His Word. I don't know about you, but as a parent, that's powerful. You know what God asks us to do as parents? He asks us to do the impossible. We cannot parent our children without God's help because it's divine. The future is as bright as the promises of God. Adniram Judson, notice this. When God makes a promise, you can take it to the bank. God cannot lie, so his promises never deceive. God is all powerful, so his promises never fail. I want you to think about that. The promises of Think of this, when God makes a promise, you can take it to the bank. How many of y'all like that? From the opening pages of Scripture to their close, the story of God's redemptive activity is structured by promises made and promises kept. Here's something, when we talk about promises, can I ask y'all a question? Who loves us more than anybody? I've shared that story with you. The reason that this hit me so hard is because I know the instincts as a father of how we're going to give our own life for our children. And when I mention breaking rules, I understand this because you know what? God could have done this a different way. Why did his son have to be given to keep his word? And I thought back as I've shared this with you many times when we went off to crown. And I thought about it this week as the boys were up there and I remember my first years there and I remember, scared. that was the biggest church I've ever been in my life. My two children are as different as night and day. Kaylee could walk into a room and she was, you know, made friends with people. And here's Clay. And it made me nervous, scared me to death. I was worried about him as a parent, as a father. And I know I've shared this with you before. And so I felt in that moment I had to step up in certain ways. and I had jurisdiction over him. But see, the Lord taught me something. And so y'all know what I did. I said no. And I wouldn't let him go into the right class. and, And he went in. I think I let Kaylee go in with him. Is that right? Am I telling that right? He went with her. Either way, I broke a rule, right? That's the point. I broke a rule. And I wasn't being ugly of breaking a rule. I was concerned about our child, which everybody does. We all understand that. But I'm trying to paint a picture here of how God, even though he has the same instincts as we do, Yet he knows best for us. And I'll never forget, I didn't like it. I can still see that woman's face. She had blonde hair. and she, We did it for two or three times. And She walked up to me and she's like, Mr. Brandon, can I talk to you a minute? And I said, yeah. She said, are you going to college here? I said, yes. And she said, well, you do know that you're going to be here for five years. You might as well let your son get used to being in his class. Oh, oh, oh. I took it about like you would. I took it about like you would. Until I got home. And I got to thinking about it. And here's what really the question was. Am I going to trust the Lord with him or not? That's the key. Because you know what? Since then, I've had to trust the Lord with our children when they ain't even been in the same state with me and by the way that's how god does it god works in our lives in such a way listen to me no matter what you're going through in your life listen to me god's promises are still true it doesn't matter how you feel it doesn't matter if you're in a wilderness it doesn't matter whatever's going on in your life listen to me god's promises you can bank on them and you know what sometimes we just need to be reminded of them by the way your pastor needs to be reminded of them We must not forget His promises. You know God gives two different kinds of promises. He gives a conditional promise and He gives an unconditional promise. Some promises He makes, they're unconditional. And listen to me, by the way, they're unconditional because no matter what we say, do, or whatever is not going to affect the the thought that God's going to keep promises that are dependent upon Him. But then there are, are some conditional promises For instance, here's the most important one. Are y'all ready? Salvation. Do you know that's a conditional promise? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that what? Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know to attain salvation, it's a conditional promise in the fact that we have to put our faith and trust in Christ. And then he promises us he will save us and by the way, he will. The Bible also says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord might be saved. Shall Shall be saved. That's a promise, but it's, listen to me, conditional. It's like a tennis match. You ever watch a tennis match? You can't play the tennis, or a ping pong game. You can't play, it's your turn. You have to hit first, and then someone will return it back. Well, God gives conditional promises. If you'll hit the ball, he'll hit it back. And I can promise you this, his is always in bounds. He will do everything he says. What about... Some other conditional promises, think about it. I mean, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. But see, here's the condition. You must call on him. But here's what's a blessing. We might fail on our part, but I can promise you this. God always keeps his promise. I hope and pray today, church. Y'all believe we're the salt of the earth? Do you know what I'm concerned about in this world? I'm not concerned about the world. Because God already tells me what they're going to be like. I don't expect them to understand spiritual things. I don't expect people up in Washington to do the right thing. But I'm going to tell you right now where I am so discouraged and concerned. Are we really trusting God? Are we as Christians, is this church, is every individual, is every family, is your pastor, is every man, father, husband in this church, every mother, every every individual, listen to me, are we really truly trusting the Lord when we really need to trust Him? I know it's an easy thing to talk about. I love what Nathan said. By the way, you really know when somebody trusts something when you're standing fast, when you're holding fast. Y'all have seen them cop movies. We all know the picture that he was painting. I've seen them little 90-pound women hooked on drugs or something, them trying to get her in the cop car. I've seen her lock her legs in and lock her arms in, and four big policemen are trying to knock every arm and leg in to get her in there, but she ain't going in the car. Why? Brother Jeremy, you might be familiar with that. Oh, why? You know why? Because she's holding fast. And it amazes me how quickly we fold. Maybe the building club comes and hits us a little bit on the leg. It's not hard taps. It's just, you know, a little uncomfortable. Pastor, you just don't understand. No, we are to trust the Lord even in the wilderness we got to be reminded. You know what? Because it don't always feel good trusting Him. It don't make sense trusting Him. And you know what? Our, our, uh, our psychology will come in there and we'll start saying, well, but. Well, I just don't think He understands. No, listen to me. He understands perfectly. He's trying to do a work And by the way, even as uncomfortable as David was in this wilderness, he's gonna get out of there and he's gonna become the king. I wonder if we have any young people here and you went to camp this week and you're gonna be different. You might, I'm gonna tell you right now, you're gonna be made fun of, you're not gonna be understood. You're not going to be the most popular at your school. But I hope to God that we have some young people that will set a new trend around here and will say, you know what? I believe God. I'm going to trust the Lord even when it doesn't seem right to. I think it's about time we have some young people in our church surrender their life to the Lord. And who knows, God might want to call someone from this church to be the next missionary, to be the next pastor of this church. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Wouldn't that be beautiful? I just step right out. I just leave and let y'all I step out or I die out. Amen. But wouldn't it, hey listen to me, wouldn't it be a blessing to be able to bring somebody in here and they grew up in this ministry, they have a heart for this ministry, they love this ministry, isn't that, isn't that a blessing? Yes. We're never going to do it until we start relying on the promises of God. David, wait a minute, now I know you're discouraged, you don't look like you're winning, but listen, that oil went across your head. I'm the son to the king, I'm the next heir, but I want you to know you're going to be the next king, not me. What power he reminded him of God's promises? And I want you to know, every promise in the book is mine. And every promise in the book is yours. Can we stand on our feet? Can I ask you a question this morning? head bowed and eyes closed you see, pastor mark i'm here this morning i needed this Amen. circumstances aren't always what we want them to be but i want you to know god's promises are still the same how many of you need a reminder this morning would you just slip up your hand you need a reminder this morning can i ask maybe you're here this morning you say pastor mark i don't know for sure if i die i'm going to heaven I'm concerned about it. I want to go to heaven when I die. I want to have peace. I want to have hope. And I know that God has spoke to my heart. I'm going to ask. You say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I'm not going to embarrass you. You say, Pastor Mark, that's me. Just by slipping up here and saying, Pastor Mark, I'm concerned. I don't know for sure if I die. I'm going to heaven. I want to go to heaven when I die. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up? Is there anybody like that this morning? Anybody like that? We're gonna have her play something softly, and I'm gonna ask Miss Slack. We talked before the service, Miss Slack, my wife's gonna meet you up here in the front. Would you mind coming up here to the front pew, Miss Slack? Miss Slack is coming to join our church this morning. And I want to read this to you. Came into my office. I've never had anybody quite do it this way and encourage me. God knows I needed to be reminded this morning. <laughs> I feel like I have blundered all morning. I feel like I blundered in the message. I feel like I blundered before the service. We were trying to get everything lined up and uh, God knows what you need. And so I'm in there struggling a little bit in my office and Miss Locke comes in and she said, "Hey, I just want you to know." She said, "We just got back in our home. And she said, so we're moving into our physical home. And she says, now I need to come home. I would like to take this opportunity to thank my church family and friends at Tiftonia Baptist Church for whatever you have done for my family and me over the past year and a half. Whether you gave us something, fed us, prayed for us, and for all the moral support my ladies have given me each week, I love each and every one of you. It has been a hard and long journey since that fateful day. Delays, shortages, never-ending rain have made it very depressing. However, we have finally made it to the end of the road. We started moving into our new home last Thursday. It's not finished, but that doesn't matter. Due to the grace of God, Cooper and I are alive today. God protected us with his mighty hands, and we came out of that fire. I don't understand why this happened to us, but God has reasons. He answers prayers. Just look at Cooper. Again, thank you. You guys never gave up on me, even on my worst days. Please continue to pray for us, Miss Wanda Slack. As all of you know, they lost everything. They lost their home over a year and a half ago to fire. And little Cooper was burned, but God saved him and protected him and also Miss Slack. And so all of you that are excited that she's coming to join our church, would you say amen? amen? And if that doesn't cap off the message, remembering the promises of God, I don't know what else does. Amen. So if you've come here with your glass half empty, if you leave half empty, that's your fault. Because I can promise you, I got full with the singing. Amen? Miss Swan, would you mind going to the back or in the front, I guess it would be the front. Would you go back into the foyer let folks give you the right hand of fellowship? All of you that are glad that you was here today, would you say Amen. amen. Don't forget God's presence, God's promises. Amen? God's power. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. I pray you'll help us now. Lord, I'm thankful that nothing depends upon our own skill and ability. I pray you'll help us to trust you. Lord, help it to be a real meaning, deep thing for us. Help us to see as you want us to see. And we'll thank you for what you do. For we ask it in Jesus' precious name and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock.